Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. As we've been doing for quite a while now, we are podcasting a Bible class every Wednesday evening at the same time that the Sunny Slope Church of Christ meets in the building. Now, we know that there are people in the Omaha area, but also there are people across the country and around the world, literally, who want to study God's Word. They want to be in a Bible study on a regular basis. They want to learn more from what God's Word teaches, but they cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. And so we're thankful to have the opportunity, the ability, and the means to be able to teach God's Word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. We're thankful that you're there, and we're thankful that we can be here with you, getting in God's Word together, studying a little bit more, digging a little bit deeper, and learning a little bit more. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, the Scriptures tell us in Romans 10 and verse 17. So the more we can be in God's Word, then the stronger our faith should be and even get stronger. Well, we want to encourage you to help everybody you can to grow in their faith by getting them into God's Word through these Bible studies. You can share them through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. But make that commitment. Start sharing with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help somebody not just grow in their faith, not just become to, uh, get to a stronger you know, confirmation in their mind that God is the Creator and Jesus Christ is their Savior. But you may help them by getting them into these studies, into God's Word through these studies. You may help them actually come to God through Jesus Christ for forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. What a great blessing that will be for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment. Start sharing. Now, we also encourage you to encourage everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. Now, when somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, all of our sermons, plus a Monday through Friday daily radio program, Search the Scriptures, and a a seven-day-a-week short, only about 13 or so minutes long each day, but seven days a week getting us into God's Word And that's a Bible study every day called Today's Bible Class. Now, it's free. It always will be free. As we keep emphasizing, we're not after people's wallets. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. So encourage everybody you can. Churchofchrist.com. Sign up for our podcasting. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us in person. Study God's Word with us and grow spiritually with us. Worship God with us every time you have the opportunity. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street. 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. And Bible classes begin on Sunday mornings at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evening, we have another period of worship and Bible study at six o'clock each Sunday evening. And on Wednesday evenings, good time in the middle of the week to stop and get our spiritual batteries recharged. Each Wednesday evening, we have Bible classes at 6.30. You're welcome to any and all of these services. We hope to see you soon. Now, we're going to get back into our study in 1 John. 
And if you've been going through these Wednesday night Bible classes with us over the internet, you, you know that we're taking some time. We're digging deep into these texts of Scripture. We're looking at them in detail, and we're really trying to draw out a whole lot of the lessons that are there for us. We're not just doing a surface-level kind of Bible study. We're, we're really trying to get deep into it and detailed, and at the same time, helping you understand in an easy way as to how it applies to your life. Well, in 1 John chapter 5, and this is where we begin today, verse 1, we've gotten through chapter 4, a lot there. Again, this is a very rich book from God's Word, written by the penman John the Apostle, guided by God through the Holy Spirit to make sure he wrote God's very Word. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, God's very word, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. And so, but John really, he just really packs a whole lot into these five short chapters that make up 1 John. Now, in, in chapter 5, beginning with verse 1, we read, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Well, once again, John continues with that repeated theme of connecting obedience to God's commandments, to his teachings, with loving our brothers and sisters in Christ and also loving God. Now, a lot of people, they might say they love God, but I wonder if that's true. I wonder if they really do. I think a lot of people, they, they want to push God out of their minds. In fact, I'm convinced of that. They don't, they don't want to think about God much at all because they know that they're living a lifestyle that is in disharmony with God's will for them. And so that old saying, out of sight, out of mind. So they just push God out of their mind. I think a whole lot of people find God an inconvenience. And so they don't want to think about him. Because again, to think too deeply about God as our creator creating us in his image and that he created us with a soul. And so we have not just a life expectancy in this world, but we have eternity to look forward to, either with him in heaven, and that will be a blessed eternal life, or the converse of that, the opposite, and that would be eternal condemnation in hell. And that's too terrible, really, to contemplate. So a whole lot of people, they, they, they don't want to think about those things in, because they're pretty deep matters to consider. And so they just want to put that out of their mind. And so by virtue of doing that, they put God out of their mind. If they don't think about God, then they don't have to think about heaven or hell. They don't have to think about how, what are really the consequences ultimately of the life they're living. Now, of course, that's foolhardy because does not matter whether you put something out of your mind. If it's reality, it's reality. If it's truth, it's truth. And so if it's, if it's something that ultimately you're going to have to be faced with and deal with, then it's a whole lot better 
to look ahead toward that and deal with it early and make sure that things are, are straight in your life so that you can look forward to eternity with confidence. I used to work for quite a number of years. In fact, I had a career in the grocery industry many, many years ago before I began preparing myself to be a gospel preacher. I remember having a meeting with the store manager, perhaps it was the grocery manager, I'm not sure, but anyway, he was he was one of the managers over myself and all of the stock persons in the store. And it was a supermarket in the Chicago area. And I really enjoyed my job. I really enjoyed my career. But ultimately, I came to the point where I realized there was something that, you know, was really calling me in my mind. And I'm not talking about some kind of you know, God tapping me on the shoulder, speaking, you know, in a still voice in my ear. You know, if God wants to do that, that's okay But with me. But I don't believe that's how God communicates with us. But I think he does open doors, and I think he does stimulate us in our thoughts and our mindset if we'll allow him to. I think he guides us and, and gives us his wisdom if we'll simply take part in that and accept it. And and so I came to realize that that really my future, my calling, if you would, was to become a gospel preacher and devote my full-time work to serving God in that capacity. And I'm thankful that I, I, I came to that realization and I took that course in my life because I cannot imagine, cannot imagine not doing what I'm doing right now, teaching God's Word in so many different ways and working with people trying to help them first come to salvation in Jesus Christ and then to grow in their faith, to grow in their dedication to God. Well, I remember a meeting one time with the manager. He gathered a number of us people, personnel, who were working under him, and he he made this kind of a statement. He said, you know, we see things that need to be done and we only take care of them in a superficial way just to get us by for the time being, and we think we don't want to take the time to do this right now, so we'll just do what is necessary in a surface-level basis, and then we'll come back and, and, and fix it later. And he, he said, we think we're saving time, but how are we saving time if we're going to spend a little bit time right now dealing with the situation and then coming back and spending even more time to fix it right later on. And so his instruction was, do it right the first time. And then you don't have to be thinking about how you need to come back and fix it later on. You know, that bothered me. That, that instruction bothered me because I had been living by that very philosophy of work that he, he had laid out. I, I can't tell you how many times I would deal with a particular matter, get it glossed over for the moment, and then think, well, we'll come back and take care of it later. Get it done right. And sometimes I might never get back to that matter and get it done right. But again, he's saying, you're taking time now, and you think you're saving time by just glossing over it, and then you're going to come back later and spend more time to get it done right. Just get it done right to begin with. And you're saving time, and you're also putting it out of your mind 
you're able to say, okay, it's fixed. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Well, how many times do people think I'll get my life right later? I know I need to change. I know I'm not living the way I should live. I know I need to to get into a better relationship with God. And I'm going to do that one day when I get things straightened out. That's just putting things off. And and it's also it's also contributing to more tension in our thinking and our emotions in our psyche because we're not we know what we need to do but we're not going to do it we're going to put it off so it keeps coming to our mind we keep putting it off and we keep thinking and someday I'm going to get that right well what if someday never comes what if something happens what if we keep putting it off what if our heart becomes so hard that we never come to repentance we never get our lives straightened out according to God's will then we're looking at eternity in hell. And we don't want that. Now again, putting things out of our mind that are going to have to be dealt with does not keep those things from having to be dealt with. So John says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. Okay? When we become Christians, Jesus said we, come, we, we are born again. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, when he was talking to Nicodemus. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. When we become a Christian, we become a new creation. We, we get a do-over, a makeover from a spiritual perspective. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, we become a new creation. When we become a Christian, baptized into Christ, the blood that he shed on the cross cleanses us of the guilt of our sins. Through that act of obedience called baptism, we're buried with him in baptism and raised with him from that watery grave. And that is a, an incredible image of burial in the water, not having some water sprinkled over us, or rubbed on our forehead, but buried, immersed in the water, and then raised up out of that water as, as if coming out of a grave. We've died to a life of sin. We've died to the guilt of our sin. We've been forgiven by the blood of Christ. We've been cleansed. The, the, our sins have been washed away. Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. And we have come up, reborn, made new, to a new life, resurrected to a new life in Christ. Romans 6, verses 3 through 5. What a great image that is. What a great experience that is. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. And so here's that theme again. We not only love God, we not only love Jesus, but we love all of those who have been begotten of him. That is, born again. Born again as we're baptized into Christ. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about how Christians are born again spiritually? 
When you look at at um, when you look at James chapter one, James chapter one, James talks about that very reality. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. James chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Brought us forth. The image there is of being born again. What a great blessing that is for us. Now, some people will say, oh, I believe in Jesus, but they don't obey Jesus. I believe in God, but they don't, they don't obey God. Again, they want to push God. They want to push Jesus out of their minds because they know they are not living a faithfully obedient life before them. And so out of sight, out of mind, out of mind, I don't have to deal with it. But here, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. To truly believe in Jesus, saving faith is active, obedient faith, not just an intellectual agreement and a verbal statement. It's, it's actual obedience, dedication, commitment, a change of lifestyle. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. And so once again, John connects. Love God, love the brethren. The brother, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, in verse 2 of First John chapter 5, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Do you see the connection again? John keeps connecting these two thoughts, these two themes throughout these five chapters. To love God truly is to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, our fellow Christians, true Christians. And if we're going to love God, then we must love our brothers and sisters in Christ. You cannot disconnect the two, the two directions of love and commitments of love. And then in verse 3, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. In verse, at the end of verse 2, also it said, and keep his commandments. Over and over again, John emphasizes this theme. We must keep God's commandments. What did Jesus say in John chapter 14 and verse 15? If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. He said it again in verse 21 of John chapter 14. And again, he's with the apostles on the night of his betrayal. The next day he would be on the cross and he's still teaching them, be obedient to my commandments. In verse 21, he says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And then in verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Just another expression for his commandments. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. If we want God to be with us, then we have to be with God. And that includes being obedient to God. And then in verse 24 of John chapter 14, Jesus looks at it from the opposite perspective. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. 
Well, if we're going to truly love Jesus, if we're going to truly love God, then we're going to love them so much that we're obedient to their commandments, to their teachings. In the 15th chapter of John, and verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. You see, Jesus gives us the example, the personal example there of true love for God. He says, hey, I've abide, I abide in my Father's love. I've demonstrated that by keeping his commandments. If you want to abide in my love, if you want to live in my love, then you need to keep my commandments as well. So we come back to 1 John chapter 5, and again, verse 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Well, in the second chapter of 1 John, 1 John chapter 2, we look at verse 5. And what did John write there along this line? Whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Well, I've said many times, there are a whole lot of people who they voice a whole lot of love. They, they speak a whole lot of statements of love for God and for Jesus. But they don't show it through, their, through obeying their commandments, their teachings. They don't show it by obedience, faithful, consistent obedience to their teachings. They don't live by the word of God but they talk about how much they love God, how much they love Jesus, but they don't demonstrate it in their lives. Interesting, isn't it? Someone was talking to me just recently, talking about how in a particular, in, in, in a particular relationship with some other individuals, those individuals claim to be dedicated to God, claim to want to really really hold up his word. But this individual who was talking to me about it said, but you know, I hear them use God's name in vain when they're talking to me along those lines. You see, that's breaking God's commandments. That's showing disrespect for God. When somebody says, I love God, and then they use God's name in a cursing way, in a profane, vulgar way, or I love Jesus, but then they continually use Jesus' name in vulgar and profane and, 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 and cursing kinds of language. That's not showing love for God. That's not showing love for Jesus. When somebody says, I love God, I love Jesus, but they're not going to be obedient to their teachings, you see, they're saying something that is opposite of how they're living, of how they're demonstrating their life. They're demonstrating a lack of love for God and for Christ. They're demonstrating a lack of faithfulness. They're uttering words that are empty, that are hollow, that are meaningless, because their life contradicts their words. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. The devil has been so skillful in convincing us, now by us, I'm just talking about humanity in general, broad statement. The devil has been so skillful in convincing us that living faithfully, obediently by the teachings of God's word is hard. 
difficult. And for many people, he's convinced them, I can't do it. It's impossible. And I've run into people who have thought something along those general lines. But a whole lot of people, they may not speak it out loud, but that's in their, in their thoughts. I can't, I can't stay faithful. I can't live by those teachings. I can't do it. It's impossible for me. Why? Because they are committed to a lifestyle of disobedience. Now, they, don't, they wouldn't couch it that way. But when you get down to the basic bottom line, where the rubber beats the road, that's what it is. They're dedicated to a lifestyle where they want to do things that deep down they know are sinful, are wrong. But they don't want to give up those things. And so they're committed to live that lifestyle. And so they think, I I can't do it. Well, why? Because I don't want to give up this lifestyle. Well, what if you had to give it up? What if something happened and you no longer could live that way or in those ways? Do you think you'd survive? Then you might hear a lot of stammering and stuttering. Uh, uh, I, 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 I don't know. I guess. Well, you see, you can do it. You just have to make up your mind. You have to make the commitment. You can be faithful to God. You can be obedient to the commandments of God the Father and God the Son. You can live faithfully by the teachings of God's Word. You have to make up your mind. You have to quit letting the devil hoodwink you into thinking you can't do it. You can do it. Make up your mind. We'll pick up with verse 4 next time. And verses 4 and 5 continue in this particular line of thought. But I'd like to get into some other reference verses of Scripture that, that, can, that serve to, to even reinforce what John is trying to get across here. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for promising us that you will be there with us and strengthen us where we are weak if we will just make that commitment to walk with you in faithful, consistent obedience to your teachings. Help us to recognize when the devil is is trying to lure us away from faithful obedience to you by convincing us or trying to convince us that we can't do it. Help us to realize, Father, and to accept wholeheartedly that you promise us that with your help, with your strength, with your guidance, we can live a faithful, obedient life before you. And help us to be that example to others around us, Father. And we pray for souls. We pray for our souls. Please forgive us and hear our prayer, gracious Father. In Jesus' name, amen.